Hey everyone, welcome back to the Real Purpose of Life podcast. I'm your host, Dwight Hubblethwaite. And this week we got an interview with Erin Gillum. She is an OU alum who has been investing her life in others for years and years. And we just just so excited to get some time with her. Um, I was not the one who interviewed her. Uh, our head director, Shane Kammerer, and another gal on staff named Bethany Pruitt got the opportunity to interview Aaron Gillum. So without further ado, I want to hand off to them, and I hope you are on the edge of your seats. But let me, let me pray for us, and we'll get going. Lord, I just thank you so much for Aaron, and just thank you for her friendship. Lord, I pray that we can uh, just glorify you through our conversation. Lord, I pray that people would hear this, uh, or they'd listen to it, and we'd be able to use it, uh, and that you would just get all the glory. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Bethany, you want to start us off with introducing what we're doing? Sure. Um. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Erin. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, I guess just as we get going, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, like how long you've been in ministry, just kind of a little bit about your journey? Oh, sure. Um, I grew up in Durant, Oklahoma. I always say the middle of nowhere when I talk to people out here, but some of your students may actually know where that is or actually grew up around there close to where the tiger King was, but not exactly. So, um, and then I went to the university of Oklahoma and graduated a long time ago. And then once I graduated from there, I started on staff at the university of Southern California in Los Angeles. And I, I think I've just finished my 18th year. I feel like in quarantine time, maybe it's been longer, but I think it's this is the end of 18. 18 years. Wow. You've been doing this for 18 years. That's cool. Uh, kind of walk us through that. Like you're from Durant. Uh, how did USC become something that was on your radar? Oh, well, <clears throat> you'll have to tell me if I'm going on too long, but, um, so I went to a really neat church growing up, First Baptist, Durant, Oklahoma, and had a youth minister who some of your students may be familiar with. Andy Harrison was my youth minister. He's now, uh, I don't know, does something with Falls Creek. Probably very important, and I should know the title, but I don't know. But when I was graduating from high school and trying to decide what school to attend, I really wanted to go to OBU because Super Summer was there every summer, and I just thought that's what college was like, was like summer camp. And then my dad sat me down and explained what a student loan means and how much it takes to pay off a student loan and how much money they had. And it wasn't enough to go to OBU. But my youth minister said, hey, if you want to learn more about discipleship and how to make disciples, there's this man at OU named Max Barnett, and you should go up there and check it out and apply to OU. And I did. And the rest is history. So I went to OU and I loved it. I got super involved, never really checked out any other campus ministry. And then I wasn't really planning on campus ministry for my future. I thought that God was leading me overseas. And so fall of my senior year at OU, I began applying for the journeyman program and actually focus at that time had a special program called focus Two, And so they were sending out journeymen together to work on teams. And I was going to be a part of that. And then in December of my senior year, my dad passed away very suddenly, just fell over dead at home and everything changed. Um, I remember Max showed up at my house along with John Kelsey and my mom was saying, you know, Life will go on as planned. She's going to go overseas. 
And at that point, Max, I remember Max saying, I just don't think that's a good idea. And that was really wise advice as my siblings and I all started getting tested for this disease. And we were still tested every year for this disease. And so I had met Neil Walker at spring break because OU and USC used to do spring breaks together every year at the Glen in Colorado Springs. And um, I had reconnected with him and he said, well, what are you going to do when you graduate? And I, as you know, I had no idea at that point. It was spring of my senior year. Everybody had plans except for me. And he was like, well, Aaron, the world is in LA. You could come to LA. And I was like, well, to my mom, that might as well be Kazakhstan because it's so far away from Duran, Oklahoma. And he's like, just pray about it. So then Max invited my mom to go to spring break, my senior spring break. I just thought, could my life get any worse? Like, my mom is coming to my final spring break. And at that point, that was the first year we couldn't go to the Glen. We went to Glorietta, New Mexico, and it was, they changed the housing. So I didn't room with my friends. It was just me and my mom. And I was just, I was like, life just took a lot of turns for me that spring. And JT Cleaver had just returned as a journeyman from Cambodia. And he was sharing that night at Glorietta. And I got really sick from the Glorietta food, which probably wasn't a result of the food, just my, my tender tummy. And so I got up while he was sharing and I left and I was like, mom, you stay and listen, I've got a jet. And so I went back to our room and my mom's a nurse. So she didn't wait too long to come check on me. And she just said, you know, that God had spoken to her while JT was sharing. And that if I wanted to go overseas, that she had my blessing. And I said, well, actually this man named Neil Walker offered me a job in Los Angeles because it happened the week before when I'd seen him. And she was like, well, if you want to go to LA, that's okay too. So I really prayed about it and I wasn't sure what to do. Cause then Max um, was like, well, you could stay and work at OU. Why do you need to go to USC? And then God just confirmed through his word um, that it was time for me to go and that he had something else for me on the West coast. So yeah, so you've been there for several years now, and obviously USC ministry there wouldn't be the same without Aaron Gillum. Oh, goodness. Well, what are some of the things that uh, when you were making this decision, like why did you feel like you were being called into ministry and why the nations first? And then kind of walk us through that process. Like how did that even come about? Like, what were some of the things that God was teaching in college that made you start thinking about those things? Wow. That's another fun story. So my junior year, spring of my junior year, I was in the Gaylord College of Journalism and Mass Communication, studying public relations. And my PR instructor, got me an internship with the top PR firm in Oklahoma City. I didn't have to apply for it. It was mine. And so I was planning to do that summer after my junior year. And then Max pulls me aside one night after Vespers, which is the same thing as Paradigm. We just called it Vespers back then. And he was like, I'm starting this summer training program in Glorietta. I want you to be a part of it. It's like, no way, Max. Sounds great. I'm not doing it. I've got an internship. That's what I'm doing. He's like, just pray about it. I'm like, okay. So I prayed about it and felt like, okay, I'll, I'm in, I'll do this. And so I told, it was a really awkward conversation with my professor, but he was very gracious. And I, I went to Glorietta and it was Mike Thompson and, and Debbie and Cindy Owen. I think she's Cindy Owen Smith now. And then um, Jerry and Marilyn Fine were our directors. It was the neatest summer. And so there was a bunch of students from USC there, a bunch from OU, Arizona, 
some Michigan's, some from Kevin Richardson's ministry. So it was really an amazing experience. But Jerry and Marilyn took us through one-on-one with God. I don't know. Do you guys still use that? It's, it's, and yeah. Um, and they just taught us how to seek God as we're making decisions and get confirmation through his word. And I had never heard of that before. So I felt like that summer as I was praying through my future that God, through a passage in Isaiah, just laid on my heart that he had some sort of ministry for me in the future. And I assumed that that was overseas because I had come back from the summer before from a mission trip to Malaysia that I loved. And so I thought, you know, I loved it. God knows that. So I'm headed to the nation. So I kind of made some assumptions and then started journeying through the journeyman process. And that's when things changed. So as you like have, you, you kind of touched a little bit on like hearing from God and the way that you just like a little bit more broadly in your life, like what has hearing from God looked like for you? Cause I know that that's something that a lot of people, a lot of students, a lot of people in this age range, we all have questions. How do you hear God? Like, how do you hear his voice? How do you hear from him? What's that look like for you? You know, for me, because I tend to be really feeling oriented and can be very led by my feelings, I feel a lot of emotions all throughout the day that God has typically spoken to me through his word while I'm spending time with him each day. And so a lot of times what that looks like is, okay, God, I need to make a decision about blah, blah, blah. Will you speak to me through your word and just praying morning after morning that he would make it clear to me through through a passage. So in my Bible, I actually have dates written down and decisions that I've made based on certain verses that I've, as I've just been continuing on and where I have been reading in scripture, not trying to hop around looking for a verse, you know, like about moving to LA, like about the waters or the beach or anything like that. But like, okay, God, you know that I have a decision to make. Will you make it clear through you or will you confirm to me so I can look back and know that this was from you. And I'm so grateful that he did that because, you know, this little girl from rural Oklahoma had a huge transition. Los Angeles is nothing like where I grew up or even Norman. It was a whole different world to me. So I'm grateful that to be able to look back on God's promises and where, how he has led me that has really sustained me through the times when I thought I must've misheard God. This is too hard. He wouldn't lead me into something this hard. Well, along those lines, like just, you know, pray, praying, uh, sorry, praying, and just hearing from God in that way, like, what are some things that you've prayed for uh, in the past that you've seen God really do something pretty cool? Like you've heard from him through, I prayed and then God spoke. Oh, that's a good question. I had an opportunity to leave USC actually 10 years ago. Um, and it was a paid position at a Christian university. And it was kind of one of those uncanny things where, um, the job description fit me perfectly. And it was weird because Neil actually told me about the job. I was like, do you want me to leave? <laughs> I just kind of felt like he was trying to shoo me out the door, but he was like, no, I just read this job description and it, it was so me. It was, I had lived in the athletic dorms at OU and they wanted someone to work with athletes. They wanted someone to develop staff training material. And I'd done that for Neil. They wanted someone with a seminary degree and I was just graduating in May. They wanted someone with five to seven years of experience. And at that point, I think I had eight or nine. It was just crazy. Um, and the more counsel that I sought, the more people were like, this sounds perfect for you. You could, you know, own a home, have benefits. Your life would be so different than it is right now. And so 
I was like, well, all signs point to go, but I asked Neil if I could just take some time to spend some extended time away from campus and really pray through that decision. And so it was hard for me because I really love USC. I love being there. I love the students there. And so he said, I think the hardest thing is going to be for you is, is getting a neutral heart so that whatever God says you're willing to do. And that really was the hardest thing for me. And so just laying that before God and then him making it pretty clear that he still had USC for me. So I was relieved in a lot of ways because in my heart, as neutral as my heart was, I didn't really want to leave. I was willing to leave. And so I feel like that God answered that in a really clear way. You know, he's answered prayers that I've prayed for, you know, money where checks will show up in the mail. And you're like, wow, God, you knew that I needed that. Um, all sorts of little things to me. Shane can understand this working at UC. Parking. Parking is a nightmare every day that I go to campus. <laughs> it's like, and it's a dangerous neighborhood. I'm a, a not a very strong female. And so God, would you provide a safe parking place for me? knowing that I'm going to be on campus till 10 or 11 tonight and I got to walk back here. So lots of opportunities all along the way. God has given me to trust him and then seen him come through again and again. Well, Aaron, you brought up uh, counsel. And so obviously you, you're been around a lot of great men and, and women that uh, walk with Jesus, but how important has godly counsel been? How have you sought out godly counsel? What are some good questions that, you think people should ask of godly counsel? You know, for me, it's really been a safeguard that God has given to protect me as someone who can be very driven by my feelings and by fear. And I really have a deep desire in my heart for comfort and ease. And so oftentimes I'm drawn to those things that will just make my life look easier. And so God has given me just rich relationships with mentors in different in California and Los Angeles at my church. And obviously Neil as my boss, but also people back home that have known me a long time and have been a part of my life at OU and beyond. And so just asking, you know, what do you think? What would you do if you were in my position? One question I've learned to ask is, what am I not asking? What, what are you not telling me that you wish I was asking? You know, what are the blind spots that I'm not seeing that you can see around that I'm not aware of right now? You know me. so would this be good for me? You know, and having people in my life who really pray over my decisions as well is really helpful. Back to just kind of the big picture of um, your life in campus ministry. Like you've obviously been doing it for a long time and you haven't chosen to do anything else. Like what, what do you see as a campus minister? Like why are college students, you know, a unique group of, of students that you've continued to invest in? Um, why, what have you seen value in just doing collegiate ministry through, through your years? You know, that's a really good question. I went on a, my last focus trip that I went on was in the summer of 2007. And it was apart from like losing my dad when I was a student at OU, it was probably the most like life-altering, heart-shaping experience. It was so hard, so, so hard. And I came back from that really thinking that I would head to the nations, that it was time, that would have been my heart, that I loved college students, but it was time to go. And so I started seminary and I really liked it. And um, I just had some really neat professors that built into me, the people who gave me wise counsel. And I just really loved my time there. But I felt like each semester that the classes that I was taking were actually 
revealing that I was gifted for campus ministry here. Part of my personality, my strength, and also part of my limitations. I have some pretty, I don't wouldn't call them severe. I have some health issues. I have cardiac issues. I have an autoimmune disease. And so living in another country would be very, very hard and probably not the best for my health. And so acknowledging my limitations and also realizing that God has, God knew and gave me those limitations, but also he has gifted me in some ways. And so choosing to plant my life among the nations at USC has been a real gift. And I, and I really do enjoy it. I feel like personality wise, I'm wired a lot for campus ministry. So that's kind of been fun to see God confirming that along the way. So what, what's like a average day look like for you with some of your girls that you're working with and, and some of the ministry opportunities that you've been having outside of COVID. Now we don't know what's going to happen beyond now, but like, what are some of the things that you've been trying to do? Like, what are, what's it look like for you? Are you asking like currently with COVID or before? Normally, like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what are, what's a, yeah, that's a great question. Like COVID messes everything up. You're probably on zoom calls like we are all the time, but like, what, what are you doing with your girls? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like what, what's your day look like? You know, obviously I think COVID has opened up doors in ways that I did not expect to like, I'm getting so much more touch points with these girls. than actually I was when we were on campus, like, we're, we have an exercise group on group me. I meet and pray three times a week at 8am with the leaders. We have Friday night, movie night, there's freshman girls prayer night. Like there's all fun sorts of stuff that are going on. But before all of that, when I could be on campus, I, my primary, primary responsibility is freshmen. And so I invest deeply into our upperclassmen who are leading the freshman small groups. And also I meet with a few freshmen who are really eager to grow. And so I get to do a lot of different things. Like just yesterday I drove to LAX, you know, I get to do a lot of airport runs. I've, we have one girl with very severe migraines. So I've taken her to magnesium infusion appointments and neurology appointments. So sharing life is a lot of what campus ministry looks like meeting needs. I've, you know, this year was awoken in the middle of the night with a, I need you. Can you come to campus and just sat and cried and prayed with a freshman. So just being available to keep pointing them to Jesus, to remind him that he's always with them, that he loves them. So we've been doing, we have a COVID-19 Bible reading plan. We've been going through like all sorts of things. We're trying to not gain the COVID-19. We don't want to gain the 19 pounds. So we also want to buy up the opportunities to be in God's word and connect with each other. So it's been fun in some ways. And as an extrovert, I'm just bumping into them as they happen to move out of the dorms the last couple of days. And that's been really fun to even see them, you know, wearing masks and recognize each other across from campus and get to be a part of their, their last days as a freshman. It's been really fun. Well, Erin, you've discipled a lot of people in your, in your life, a lot of ladies. What would you say to, to someone who is either just trying to begin the journey of discipleship or maybe has been discipling some people a little bit here and there, but what, what do you think are some key things to think about or to um, just remember or even do as you're discipling someone? Oh, that's a great question. I think just to share your life with them, the highs and the lows, don't 
don't try to pretend that things are perfect. People will learn so much more from your mess ups than from your perfection and how you got it all right. And so inviting them in to life and to like, you know, this hurt my feelings today, or I'm really nervous and scared about this, or, um, would you pray for me? My family is really struggling in this area. And so not making it so much of a, a meeting or once a week we talk, but let's be a part of each other's life multiple times of the week. I want to know what, how you're doing and what's going on with you and just trusting that God, that God can use your brokenness as well. And so not waiting till you're perfect or you have it all together. You, you won't ever have it all together, uh, but just trusting that God can really use you in your imperfections and what you bring to the table, but that just being willing and open to be available and to share your life, you will have a tremendous ministry. Aaron, you've mentioned this a few times in this little story that we've been doing right now. Uh, God's heart for the nations. Like why, why should somebody be interested in that? It's obviously something that's impacted you. Like, and you've been a part of that, even though you haven't gone, uh, what got you started in that? And why should somebody be interested in that? You know, that's really interesting. I think I can trace it back to, um, my parents who neither of my parents really grew up I wouldn't say in strong Christian homes. My mom did not grow up in a Christian home and my dad did grow up in a Christian home, but I don't think he really took his faith seriously till after actually I was born, but they must've read something on James Dobson or focus on the family, but they started reading missionary biographies to us after dinner at night as children. So we read Bruchko and Jim Elliott. And I think at an early age, I began to just see God's heart for the nations. Also back in the day at, in Baptist churches in Oklahoma, there's this thing called Girls in Action and Royal Ambassadors. And that was on Wednesday nights. And that was really focused on the nations. We read about missionaries. We made drawings for them and sent them to them. I don't even know all the stuff that we did, but that also awakened in me a desire to see God exalted among the nations. And so I think I work on a campus. We have more international students at USC than any other university in America. They're all around. I am the minority at USC. And it's such a neat thing to hear how God is at work, how God has been pursuing them and how he's connected them to Christian community, even though they were not even looking for it at all, but they met someone in their class who invited them and, and just seeing um, what God's doing. So I really love reading biographies. I feel like that helps me also just to maintain that love for the nations. And then I do get the opportunity to volunteer with focus sometimes. And that's been a real joy to me as well. Well, Aaron, you've, uh, you know, you've been a good friend to us and you're an alumni and things like that. Uh, what, what kind of, what would you tell somebody from Oklahoma uh, that, that really would like to maybe do, um, you know, ministry or missions or they're thinking about like, what would you, how would you go about explaining that to somebody? Like, what would you, what encouragement would you give to somebody that is from Oklahoma that's thinking about ministry for their life? What, what kind of tips would you give them? What kind of encouragement would you give them? You know, I don't think where you're from really dictates where God's going to take you. I'm so grateful that I grew up in a small town in a great community in a great church. Like I look back and see God's fingerprints all over my life 
preparing me for what he has had for me for the last, you know, 18 years out here. And so I think buying up opportunities to be around people, asking questions, making yourself available to learn, you know, now it's a lot of podcasts and not as much face-to-face, although Oklahoma is reopening. We are far from reopening out here in Los Angeles, but, you know, getting around people, asking questions and getting to know their life and having them speak into your life. What are some things I need to get shored up and really, um, clean out my closet kind of issues before heading overseas, not delaying, um, working through things or getting help you need, but buying up the opportunities to learn. I don't know that I've ever felt prepared (laughs) every August. I'm like, I'm not ready. (laughs) Um, so I don't know that you'll ever feel ready, but that God will make it clear when the time is right. Well, Aaron, what are some uh, things that you like themes in the Bible or stories, verses, like what are some things that you kind of go back to that really uh, reaffirm your vision, your cat, your calling, uh, just like when times get tough, like what are some of the things that you kind of go back to over and over again? You know, one of my favorite verses, and I was actually reviewing that today is John 21, 21 through 22. And it's after um, Jesus has been crucified and Peter has denied him and they're on the beach and, and Peter asks him, Lord, what about him pointing to John? Cause John hadn't denied Jesus. And Peter knew that John had a strong relationship with Jesus. And I don't know if there was some insecurity there. Um, and Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And I feel like over and over again, I go back to that, like, God, this isn't what I thought my life would look like. This isn't where I thought I would live. This is an expensive place to live. This is a hard place to live. And again and again, it's like, Aaron, other, I have different plans for different people. My call on your life is to follow me wherever I lead. And we're reading this summer with Project Impact, that Darlene Dibler Rose book, Evidence Not Seen. And I just finished it because Neil asked me to write some small group questions for it. And just that idea of surrender, that surrendered life. This is not at all what I thought life would be, but following Jesus is, is the best way to live. And I've discovered that again and again, as I have kind of tiptoed into some other areas thinking, well, maybe this is better. And it's like, no, no, following him. That's the best. That's really good. So y'all are doing Project Impact this summer. What's that going to look like for you guys? Well, um, we had kind of capped it in February, I think, or didn't cap it, like the applications were closed. And then when USC went online this summer, we knew that we had to go online. So then we reopened applications. And so we have, I think, 38 students, which is the biggest we've ever had for just USC students. Um, So that's really exciting. We're going to go through a couple of different books. We're going to do The Resilient Life by Gordon McDonald, The Great Omission by Dallas Willard. He was a USC professor, so we love Dallas. I think he spoke, Shane, when you were on stash. Met him a few times. Yeah, the neat man. And then the Darlene Dibler Rose, the Evidence Not Seen book. Well, remember that year that we did Project Impact down in uh, Costa Mesa? They, he, he came and spoke and did that retreat and everything was so far over everybody's head, but it was so awesome that we got to hang out with him. He's a pretty amazing person. Uh, so that's awesome. And it's going to be all online. Is that what y'all are doing? We have to, because the university will not allow us to meet in person and which is great also because it's opened up. We have students on the East coast doing it. We, th- right now we don't have anyone international doing it. The time change makes it really, really hard. So just kind of every time zone in America is representative, but not outside of the continental U S. That's, that's amazing. That's awesome. 
Well, you know, so you mentioned a bunch of books there. I don't know what, what are you reading now? It sounds like you had to read several books to get ready for this, but what do you suggest we read? Like what, what are some of your favorites and like, what are you reading now? Um, well, I, like I said, I just finished the Darlene Diveler Rose and I'm about to start those other ones. I haven't read them yet, but I just, um, I'm a big John Ortberg fan. I love his writings. I recommend it to the freshmen I work with and the leaders, the life you've always wanted. I think it's the best book on spiritual disciplines you can read. I love his book on community. Um, everybody's normal to get to know them. I think that that describes me perfectly, um, because I'm not normal. So I'm a big fan of his, um, one of the freshmen loaned me this book. I can't remember the one I'm currently reading. It's called Girls Gone Wise and a Girls Gone Wild World or something. It's been good so far. She was like, you should read this. So I'm slowly working my way through that one. Um, I just finished The Grace of God by Andy Stanley. And I really have loved that. So That's pretty cool. All right. So... Um... I know you like authors and stuff like that. We trade books every once in a while. Uh, I just read a book uh, called Reappearing Church by Mark Sayre. And he's got a podcast that I think would be really up you guys' alley because him and this guy named John Mark Comer have a podcast called uh, This Cultural Moment. And he's up in Portland and this other guy's in Melbourne, Australia. So it's going to probably be a lot of things that you guys are dealing with out there on the West Coast. And all that stuff's coming here as well. But a couple of the things I wanted to ask, I was like, so you've gotten to work and be around some legends, uh, you know, and, and Neil is obviously been instrumental in my life and been instrumental in my ministry mentorship. Uh, what are some things that you've really learned from your time with Max and your time with Neil that you can like encapsulate in just a few you know, moments, right? It's like so much that you've been there with him so long, but like, how has he impacted your, your ministry vision? Like, and how has Max even done that? You know, it's just a funny story about Max is that my senior year of high school, I went up with my future college roommate and to go to Vespers and Max was speaking that night. And I was like, Oh, this is the guy that Andy wants us to meet. And I thought, he's not going to make it to August. He's going to die before I ever come to school here he's just he's not gonna make it and look fast forward 20 plus years he's going strong I want to do that I want to keep going strong to the very end but something I've learned from Max is that I have not been privileged to live overseas but I've gotten to lead several overseas trips in every nation that I have been to from Southeast Asia to Central Asia to Europe the people that have been working on the field can trace their lineage to Max that this person invested, this person, this person, and I'm here now. And just the possibilities of a life that this guy from the middle of nowhere, Texas, that God has raised him up, he has been so faithful. Like faithful in the small days, faithful in the small things, and that God has multiplied his life and his ministry, I'm sure beyond his wildest dreams. So that's been it's such a privilege to me to be a part of that kind of legacy. And then he was supposed to speak at our spring break, and so I was so bummed because I was telling these students like, you're part of that legacy too. This is your legacy. And they may never get to meet him this side of heaven, but just so you know, this is so much bigger than just Christian challenge at USC. So, so real quick, like he was going to come out there on the planes and we were really worried about him going out there, but we canceled ours. And I was like, Max, how about I just drive you out there? And so 
uh, uh, several of us would want to go out there. And so like the, the list of guys that were like, I'll go, I'll go. It was like, I would have had to have a bus to take all the dudes out there that wanted to hang out with Max on a road trip, but ended up not being able to happen. And that was almost like more bumming than, uh, missing out on our spring break is not being able to spend time with him. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Oh yeah. So we appreciate you recording his messages. So, um, and then from Neil, Neil has just been a really sweet gift, um, from God to my life because I moved out here, you know, eight months after I lost my dad. And so I was grieving and wounded and really not in a great place thinking I was in a much better place. And so he really patiently walked through the, those years of, of grieving the loss of my dad and of, of embracing that new normal for me. And he's taught me so much about of sharing life with people of inviting people into your home and into your life and, and really giving your life away. And I've, I will be forever grateful for how he's modeled that for me and how he's invited me into their home and into their family. When I, here's a funny story. When I moved here, he was like, Oh yeah, I'll take care of a place for you to stay. No worries. I was like, okay, <laughs> no idea. What I didn't know is that I got here. I get into July. First of August, they had completely gutted their kitchen and Jen was already away at school, but the three boys were still there and I was supposed to live with two other girls, but our place wasn't ready yet. So there were six of us. And then Neil and Linda being eight of us living in a home with no kitchen. So we were doing like dishes in the bathroom, the crock pot, cleaning it out in the shower. And I was like, what in the world? Where have I come? But then God used that. I think it was like a month. And it was the start of the school year, you know, talk about craziness. And then you've got all these people living in your home and it didn't throw them for a loop or anything. But God, you really used that to help me get to know their family in a way that gave me a family out in California that I really needed. That was a sweet gift. Even at the time I was just like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? Where am I? That's great. That's great. Well, Hey, you know, like the, the thing that I appreciate about Neil is his like dedication to really uh, live out this lifestyle of discipleship and, and uh, his dedication to the hard attitudes and really living those out in front of people and that's just meant so much to me. Talk about the hard attitudes as it pertains to like the ministry and the church life that you're involved in there. Like, why is that important? And how has that really kind of cultivated uh, the, the USC Christian Challenge culture? You know, that's a great question because at OU, we didn't have the hard attitudes. So I had never heard of the hard attitudes until I moved to LA and he was like, Oh, this is what we choose to live by. And I was like, Oh, okay. And just think, you know, filing it away. And I didn't realize like, no, no, we live by these. Like this is how we choose to relate to each other. I was like, okay, that's fine. And then you're going to get called out on it. He was like, you know, that Hebrews 13, 17. Oh yeah. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. <laughs> like, Oh, that verse. Hmm. Um, but just living an honest and open life before others. You know, I grew up in the Bible belt where it's really easy to play the Christian game. You know, I know all the answers. And so everything's fine. We're all fine. And, and that was, it was just new to me. Everything was so new to me or, you know, clearing up relationships instead of just pretending we're fine or just waiting till we just forget about it. No, like having a hard conversation and owning what I did wrong and asking for forgiveness. These things were, were huge to me and really do in a lot of ways. Um, 
I think, make our ministry distinct on campus. As we ask our staff and our student leaders to begin living by these, it gives us a common language in which to talk about these scriptural values and also to live them out. And it's, it's been totally transformed my life and in ways that I so needed, but I had no idea. Yeah, it really does. It gives you a common language, a common, uh, just the relational values are really, really important. Um, well, Aaron, I really appreciate the time you've given to us today. Uh, I don't want to take up too much else of your time, but is there something that you think we should have asked that maybe we, we didn't ask you, or is there something you want to just speak to as an OU alumni, speak wisdom over us? Oh, I don't know. I'm honored that you would think of me. I, I really consider my years at OU um, some of the sweetest of my life. In fact, right across the street from your building is a bench in honor of my dad. Uh, right outside of Adam's dorm, which was my freshman dorm, in honor of my dad and my grandpa. And I think, you know, those were some of the darkest days of my life that spring semester. And Julie Gregory walked so faithfully through that and Derek and so many other friends. And I just think that community is so dear to me. In fact, this morning, I attended my first ever Facebook live funeral for a guy that was a freshman leader my freshman year at OU. And I just, there was a bunch of us from OU in attendance, as much as you can be in attendance on Facebook live. And I thought, wow, like that even 20 plus years later, these friendships are very dear to me. And we're still spurring each other on to know God, to love him, to make him known that to be a part of a ministry that's still about that is such an honor and I'm so grateful that you guys are there continuing the work. You know, it's just, it blows my mind. Um, that building that you have, I must confess, I'm somewhat jealous. We have nothing like that on our campus, but that, that I'm so glad God provided that for you to open doors for the gospel to be made known there because I will be forever grateful for the years that I spent there for the impact that those student leaders made in my life and the staff, like, I'm indelibly marked by that. So live on university, you know? One, one thing that is so funny about Erin being in SoCal is that every Saturday she wears OU gear and Neil would always give her such a hard time and it, <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's, it's Trojan, you know, victory live on, right? Like fight on, right? And so one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Aaron, is I know that things are just crazy right now in this time. What are some of the pressing things that you think we should be praying for USC? Because like we used to do spring breaks all the time together and like Southern California and USC is dear to my heart. How can we be praying for you guys there and really, because we want to see the gospel go forth. I mean, that's a pivotal campus uh, and so many leaders come out of there. What are some things like, how do you see this progressing? Like, what are some things we can really be in prayer for you guys for? Well, thank you so much for asking. I think um, just wisdom for the university, they're supposed to make a decision in June, whether or not we'll go back in the fall and then just real wisdom and creativity. As Shane knows, being on staff out here, you know, our evangelism is relational evangelism. It's talking to people in your classes, your dorms, your sphere of influence, the clubs you're a part of at the dining hall and investing and inviting people to come around and to taste and see who Jesus is. And I just am not quite sure what that's going to look like on Zoom. We have heard that potentially it will be for the entire year, that it won't just be for the fall for us. And so um, just trusting that 
that God's purpose will prevail and that his heart for people to come to know him is even greater than ours, but to cooperate with him and in trying to build community online, especially working with freshmen, people who've never met each other, but build friendships with each other. I'm not quite sure how God is going to do all that, but I know that he can. So you just pray that for wisdom and creativity for us and for the university as a whole, I think as you've heard a million times, this is unprecedented. I'm, I'm feeling the unprecedentedness of this. Yeah, totally. Bethany, do you have any last things you want to say or throw out there? Uh, I just would love to hear one last question. And I think maybe some students would want to hear this too. Just like what advice, if you could go back, look at 22 year old Erin, like what would you tell her? What would you tell her about walking with Jesus and what advice would you give her? Oh, that's good, Bethany. 22-year-old Aaron was very naive and idealistic. <laughs> I think I probably would tell myself that life will be harder than you ever could imagine, but that, that God is so good in the midst of this, that, you know, that verse in Psalm that says, you know, as for me, the nearness of God is my good, you know, to, to find my definition of good being in, in that God is with me and not my circumstances, not in my health, not in what's going on in the world, but that, that God is with me and in me. So good. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you guys. This was so fun. Yeah, thank you very much for being with us.